0: welcome to the circular innovation podcast join us as we dive deep and explore the concept of circular innovation and how it's reshaping brands technology and operations
1: welcome to the show i'm your co-host richard bliss and i'm joined by my other
0: co hosts jessica schistler co-founder and ceo of maven circular
2: and nate Schissler, co-founder and chief maven at maven circular
0: And we
1: are excited to be here with all of you listening in today because we continue this conversation about the circular economy and what's going on. We've covered a lot of material over the episodes that we've talked about, but today, I'm excited about today because the two of you have shared with me that we're going to be talking about some of these, uh, what do we call them, successes, some of those people and organizations and brands that are really out there making it work. So Mm -hmm. let's start with that, Nate. Yeah, I, I think
2: we can't uh, you, you can't have a discussion around brands that are making it work without really you know recognizing you know some of the OG brands in this space. I mean, certainly Patagonia comes to mind. They've been um, they were into the concept of the circular economy before it was the circular economy. Before we had you know all these bu- buzzwords around re-commerce and and other uh, like resale platforms. You know, Patagonia represents. I don't want to say the old guard because they're still innovating in this space, but certainly have been a leader in this space for many years. Um, you know, they've offered, it starts with things like lifetime warranties on high quality products, and then that turns into repair and refurbishment, and then that turns into remanufacturing. And next thing you know, you've got a company that's really taking ownership of their entire supply chain and and the full life cycle of their products, and and their customers really uh, resonate with that and, and respond to that through you know brand loyalty and repeat purchases. Um, Arcteryx is another example you know they've been doing this for years and, and the thing that is really similar between those two is that you've got really high quality product and, and it starts with high quality product and then and then that extends to the belief that if you make high quality product, it can last through a second owner and a third owner. The chances of the, that first owner, you know, wearing it out are pretty slim. Um, and so certainly if you're not familiar with those two brands and their offerings, I think how to go brand is called Wear, and our and uh program is called uh, Rebird, which is their you know, kind of like how they encompass all their repair and recommerce uh offerings. Definitely check those out. Um if you're not fans of the brand, you probably will be when you see what you can get for a pretty healthy discount. And then in the last twenty four months, I mean Jess, you, you've you been really, based on the deliveries at our front door, a participant <laughs> in uh, in this space with some of these newer uh, brands coming to market. Maybe just talk about some of those.
0: Yeah. So, you know, Nate and I, we came from working at Lululemon together. And uh, so Lu- we both worked on the Lululemon, like new program. And, uh, you know, it's a very successful program. Now we're obviously on our own, you know, consulting But we we still participate in purchasing from the Lululemon Like New Program.
2: Um, It was hard leaving that employee (laughs) discounting. But the Like New Program helps uh, take the edge off a bit.
0: Definitely. Um, You know, it all comes down to how reliable is the sizing, um, the product quality, and, you know, size and fit. So, you know, our closets are full of Lululemon for everyday wear. But, you know, we're a pretty active family. So... Um, programs like North face, um, right now we're in autumn coming up to, you know, the winter Burton has a pretty exciting program. They do a rental program. Um, so you can, you know, a a rental program. I can rent. They have a rental program. So basically like, you know, I snowboard Nate doesn't snowboard our daughter. She will snowboard. And, um,
2: (laughs) just decided she doesn't know that yet.
0: And, um, you know, my board is old and, you know, this program makes it so that you don't have to fly your board around if you go to the Rockies or wherever, you know, if you go to the Alps or wherever your special spot is, Mm -hmm. if you're doing a big trip to go snowboarding um, and you're not on like your local, local hills. And basically you can, you can rent a board, bindings, boots, jacket, and snow pants, all from Burton. Brand new,
2: current season gear.
0: Yeah, and it gets delivered to your hotel. So for me, yeah, I fly into, you know, Denver. I drive to Vail. I get to the hotel. I'm, you know, I just have my suitcase. And then I go to the front desk and they have my gear. I bring it upstairs. I unpack it. I, you know, shower, eat, hit the, you know, Hit the, hit the slopes and I'm just like having a great time. And I don't need to worry about, you know, oversized luggage and waiting for that to get unpacked at the airport. And, and so I how also do don't get, need to service my my equipment. How do you get it back to them then?
1: Yeah, so
2: Burton ships it in a custom-made uh, reusable box, basically, that they had designed to, to hold the gear. It comes with a return label and you just... On your way out, when you check out of your yeah. resort, hotel, or wherever you're at, you literally leave it with the front desk, and the UPS guy picks it up the next time he's there, and it goes back to uh, their operator who then inspects and cleans and refurbishes oh. and tunes up the, the gear for the next person.
0: Yeah, so it's a pretty cool program they have, and right now they also have their buyback program. So, you know, kids grow quickly. Colors change. You know, there's a whole culture with snowboarding on what colors and season and, and all of that patterns and whatnot. So they also have a buyback program. So you can bring back your snow pants, your jacket, boots, binding, snowboard, um, all of it. You can give it back to them. They give you a gift card um, and you buy or rent um, the next thing for you. So, you know, I had a board that I was, you know, it's probably... I think maybe nine years old, and I just used that through the buyback program, and now I've got a gift card for 125 dollars on what my next board is going to be. So, um, so that's really exciting, and that is is, you know, that's an area that a lot of brands go towards to get product to then launch in their re-commerce program. So the operators, you know, we're talking about operations here in correlation with the brands they you know these operators specialize in this so they hire up teams that specialize in for instance snowboard repairs so they are you know waxing and sharpening your board and um, cleaning the boots and you know doing all of that with all of the equipment and ensuring it's all working and um, you don't need to worry about going to the shop when you get there because your binding you know it's a little bit it's funky it's not working right and you can't clip in so um, yeah, Burton has, I'm really excited about Burton. It's coming up to winter and, um, you know, we're an outdoors family. So that one's real cool.
2: And and also before we move away from Burton, I know we're talking about them a lot, especially considering only one of us snowboards, but, <laughs> um, by the, by the time this episode is released, Burton will also have taken their trade-in program online. So now you can sell your board or your gear back to Burton online as of, today when we're recording that's not public yet you can only you have to take it back to one of their flagship stores by the time this is out that'll be announced so you can literally like go online and say hey i've got you know a 2019 men's custom board in whatever size and you can ship it directly to burton and they'll give you an electronic gift card once it's inspected and, and verified and then all of that product including their previous season's rental product is now seeding their online resale program their branded recommerce commerce program so they're really doing it right for for a hard goods company that makes a really high quality product. They're really taking the right steps in in getting that product out to market and letting it go through you know that rental trial period where people are like excited to to try the the current season gear and then taking all that gear that's been lightly used and maintained by the brand themselves and then funneling into their resale program, which I predict is going to be wildly successful.
0: Yeah, and they have you know the program where if you're renting it and you decide you want to keep it, you can buy it from them. So there's that option too, which, you know, you might... There's different, um, you know, different shapes of snowboards that may work better on ice versus super fluffy snow. And, um, you know, you might find your your golden ticket on, you know, what's the best and most comfortable way to snowboard, and you can just buy it through them while you're renting it at a, at a pretty big discount. Um, another couple brands that I think, you know, is worth sharing is, um, you know, we we hear a lot about gear, so like outdoor gear. And, you know, we also enjoy that space. Um, But there's a brand called Blonky and they're a maternity, maternity apparel um, brand. And they launched, I think, in Q2. And basically they're more on the technical side. So they're really focused on supporting the belly um and everything that's associated, you know, with, Um, with growing a baby and also postpartum so they actually launched in q2 and they're they're seeing some pretty incredible um growth in in their re-commerce program and it's just you know you know coming from not knowing anything about you know needing different stuff when you're pregnant you know it it seems pretty obvious like yes you're going to change sizes but um the, the difference you feel if you're wearing good technical gear, um, if you're doing yoga or walking or running or whatever that might be, it's really important to have that kind of stuff to be comfortable. And it's really expensive when you buy it brand new. And a lot of people buy it, you know, in, in one of our earlier episodes, we're talking about returns and how much returns never go back into sale. And this, it doesn't go back, you know, under the... Um, regular MSRP. That's where like it can end up in a landfill. So this brand, they, every single piece of items that come in as a return, it flows into their, um, re-commerce business or they have a donation program. Um, so that's, that's, it feels really good, but it's also a very expensive brand that you don't get to keep the product forever. Like, oh, (laughs) You know, you're you're pregnant for nine months and you you know, you might still wear maternity wear for, you know, another six months or, or whatnot, give or take. You decide to have a second, but maybe not um, or third or fourth or wherever you are in your life. And so this is like a great example of you don't really need to have it for an entire life of, you know, a, of and the and product arriving. Yeah. When we talk about gentle
1: use. This is truly a product that is gently used, right?
0: Yeah.
2: The product is gently used and, and they're also um, maternity wear as a category is a has a really strong use case because simply because of the nature of the product, they have a higher than normal returns rate. Now, I've never been pregnant, but I can imagine that if you're a pregnant woman looking to buy maternity wear, you probably have... To be honest, like finding the right size is probably damn near impossible.
0: It's it's very confusing.
2: And so you're you're yeah. often buying two, you know, you're buying a six and an eight, and then you're returning one. And so a lot of the product is getting returned, tagged unused. still on it. Yeah, unused. unused. And so all of that is getting, you know, cleaned, inspected, and funneled back into their e commerce program. And and most of that product is really in like new condition.
1: And that's B L A N Q I. Is that how you spell yes. it? Blowout. Okay, yep. that is, yep. yeah. Having had five daughters, nor Nate, <laughs> nor was I pregnant, but I feel like I went through some of that. Is yeah. that it's such a short window of of use of the the life yeah. of the and then and then we won't even get into afterwards as your children grow. Now mine were all daughters, but man, you're just turning over clothes yes. as fast as right there. That's a whole nother category that we talk yeah. about.
2: Yeah. And then I think maybe a, one last one we could talk about. Um, again, they're you know a category leader in a different category is Yeti coolers. And, and so folks aren't aware. Um, obviously, I think at this point, everyone knows who Yeti is, but you may not be aware that Yeti has a, a branded e-commerce program they launched uh, late last year or the beginning of this year. I don't recall which.
0: Uh, yeah, it was late last year.
2: Yeah, late last year, right before Christmas. And so, um, again, a really good fit. For a couple of reasons, one of those being they make a really high quality product. They have a pretty viral following, Um, you know, kind of checks all those boxes. They release a lot of seasonal colors, you know, short run colors. And so when you think about like what product flows into that program, you know, I'm buying a Yeti cooler new off the website. It gets to me. I paid a lot of money for it. I'm excited about it. Maybe I don't like the color when it shows up. And for six hundred dollars, I better really you know, like the color. And if I don't, I'm gonna send it back. And then that, you know, generates a basically like new return product that has effectively never been used, but yeti can't sell that product as new because it's not new if the if the first customer has taken all the protective film off the cooler or whatever. And so they're a really strong candidate for a program like this. And not surprisingly, um, that you know, their site product doesn't live on their site very long it's it's on and off pretty quickly it's called the yeti rescues program it's just
0: yeah and they're like constantly expanding their programs so they went live with their hard coolers and then they went live with their soft coolers um you know so think about like large lunch bags um backpacks that are cooler um different things like that and now they've actually just gone live with their um, normal backpacks so not insulated backpacks like for travel yeah which are like super durable so you know it's a, it's interesting because as soon as this product went onto every commerce, for me, I'm more of a cup person. I don't need a cooler um, as much as I need a good cup. And of course I like their cups, but um, you know, you walk into, you know, Dick's Sporting Goods or whatever you're, you know, if you're Cabela's and you're, you know, you you head over there and or it's in the middle of the aisle and you're like, damn, those look nice. And then you're like, ah, uh, hard. No, I'm not spent like, you know, we don't have a trailer or like a boat where I'm like, you know, in my head that makes sense to spend that much money because we're going to use it every single weekend. Um, but I am not going to lie. We did buy a cooler recently and it sits on our back patio um, or deck. And uh, it's this like really nice color that went live, and it's a little bit ding, like it had a couple scratches on it. Um, but
1: you didn't buy this because... new; you bought it through the re-commerce site. No, of no. course,
0: yeah, we don't. Yeah, as a family, we don't really buy a lot of new things. So um, when we heard about this, and you know, we're we're tracking it and following it, um, wow. yeah, supporting it. So
1: well, you introduced me. Right, I'm wearing right now on this recording that people can't see a Carhartt hoodie. Now, I have to admit, yeah, I didn't realize. Right. What's that? You got another one. I have a dozen of them, but it's not because I knew what Carhartt was. It was because my wife and I are in the store. I'm really particular about hoodies and they have to have a certain weight and feel. And so we were always looking and she found this one. She's like, what about this? I'm like, that looks good. I don't know. And it was on a call that my team, ooh, look at Richard being stylish with the Carhartt hoodie. And I'm like, I have a Car a what? And it's because it's, I mean, it's freaking on the sleeve. I didn't even notice. Yeah. But then you pointed out to me that Carhartt has a what, a, what do we call it? a re commerce site? Yeah. yeah.
2: Branded re commerce site. Yeah.
1: And so my question would be to these companies you're rattling off other than, uh, other than Blunky. I am not right now looking for Blive past that phase <laughs> of my life. Okay. But, uh, but how would I? me? How would I find out about these companies that have these re-commerce sites? Because it's not at top of mind. It, the pu- general public isn't thinking that way. Like, like the, yeah. you're
0: Yeah. Well, we do talk about brands every week on LinkedIn. Um, so you, you can follow us. You can follow us. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there's not like a house for it. There's not like a recommerce.com and find all the programs that exist in North America. Um, I don't know, maybe we buy that. We should, hold
2: on, let me check <laughs> the real quick.
0: Yeah, maybe we do that. But um, a lot of, so basically, a, a lot of the branded experiences are right through their website. So if you go onto Yeti's website, um, you know, it
2: says like shop use gear.
0: Yeah, it says shop use gear. Um, sometimes, you know, it's not as super blunt about it being used, like it's called rescues for them. Um, And some other brands don't call it used, they call it like new. So you kind of have to use, you know, your head a little bit on like what that might be. Um, But it's, it's typically linked right through their website. Um, There are some, you know, uh, there are some other places to buy product. Um, You know, I think there's Treat and there's a couple different... Some,
2: some of the marketplaces, um, Treat would be an example of one...
0: That's like a little bit harder to find because it's not linked through their website. Um, there was a brand recently that a, a friend told me about and I was like, I didn't know they had it. I'm in this space. Like, we consult in this space and it was because it was through Treat. Um, so if you go to Treat, T-R-E-E-T, um, you can find a whole bunch of different brands there as well that they support and... Um, it's all branded experiences, but they don't have it linked to their website. But the bigger scale e-commerce businesses that would typically have um, more volume and a stronger program, they have it right through their um, through their main site website.
1: Now, I'm 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 thinking also, as you're talking, that they're probably the brands themselves are having to make that adjustment as well. Right. How much do we promote? yes. Because I think Nate, you have talked about it in the past, or you've written an article, uh, some content about it, about the fear of cannibalization. Do we yep. highly promote a used link if it's going to cannibalize our new sales?
2: Yep, it's um. Every brand we have worked with, uh, either you know, when we were at Lululemon working on the like new project, or you know, in the last several years consulting, every brand is afraid of cannibalization. Um. And what we see overwhelmingly is that when you look at the customer profiles, I know we're going off topic here. But this is a really great thing to like press into. When you look at the the profile of customers who are buying through these branded e-commerce experiences, you see three pretty evenly balanced groups of people. You know, so the, and this is really through like using CRM tools, right? So they're collecting that CRM data from their their use sale. Was then comparing that to their mainline sales, and so what you see is about a third of the purchases are made by you know the the fiercely loyal uh, like customers who are always buying from the brand, and that's what you would expect. These people who are like fans of the brand, they you know they follow them on all the social media platforms, and they they buy from the brand all the time. I wouldn't call those cannibalized sales. I would call those incremental purchases because those folks are going to buy anything the brand sells them. And then you see about a third of customers who are infrequent purchasers, depending on how you define that, people who have maybe purchased from the brand, but not recently in the last 18 to 36 months. And then you see about a third net new. So net new customers who your brand has never seen before. And what we see pretty typically is that these large brands, you know, Yeti was an example of one. Yeti launched their program and didn't talk about it for a couple months, several months, I think. And it started to pick up some traction on their like very active Facebook group, and word then a little they, word of mouth going on, little mm-hmm. word of mouth, and then one email from the brand, and it just went nuts. It just went gangbusters, and all of a sudden, you know, everything on the site sold out. And now, now they're in this rhythm where it's like product hits the site, and it's it drops off the site in hours, and you know, sometimes hours, and within days, typically everything is, is sold through. Um,
1: so. It's- and I gotta believe then as and then Jess coming back to you that as these brands find the success, it becomes easier for the next brand to to feel yes. good about that, right?
0: It definitely removes the um the fear. And, you know, a lot of a lot of people in the retail space, specifically in the sustainability um departments and part part of the organization, they all talk to each other. You know, they are all trying to find ways to to be better um you know, contributors to the environment. So they're all talking to each other. So they all hear and they all talk about this. Um, so it's it's really nice to see. And, um, you know, in the conversations that we have with with different brands, it's less of a um, convincing each time we, you know, connect with them. So um, that fear of cannibalization is, is slowly deteriorating. I'm sure it's always going to be there, but it's not as... Um, but it, as much as that like right in your face yep. like conversation we're having within the first 15 minutes um of an intro call
2: um it, just to
1: yeah let's sorry, wrap up saying. Nate no no I was going to say yeah. this has been fascinating but as we wrap up
2: yeah I was just going to say just to to be true to what we said we were going to talk about in this episode just you know just a quick kind of summary from an operations perspective um all of the major North American 3PLs um who are serious about e-commerce and returns are looking at ways to add e-commerce services to their brand. So I'm talking about DHL Supply Chain, Maersk, Geodist, um, Geodist, not Geodist, there's no T at the end of it. You know, all of the, all the big players in North America, SCI up in Canada, you know, these are these are 3PLs that serve Hang on, largest- Hang on, 3PL. The audience might not know what you're talking about. 3PL. Three, third-party logistics providers. These are contract- uh, warehouse operators who are who are warehousing and fulfilling uh, orders on behalf of brands for brands that don't want to operate their own warehouse. Got it. So largest three PLs in North America. Every single one of them, we have contacts. To every single one of them, they're all looking at and really responding to the requests of their brands, who are saying, "How can you help us find a solution for this product that can't go back to stock as new?" And so, not surprisingly. Um, they're either talking to us, you know, formally or informally, and and looking for solutions that are that are going to get steered back towards some of these platform technologies, which I think we're going to talk about in the next episode. Um, but what's also interesting is that even on the other end of the spectrum, these really small, uh, regional or even local operators that are just kind of like specializing in returns processing and kind of high volume, value added services and repair services, they are also getting that same pressure from their brand clients saying okay you do all this great work for us and get product you know repaired and returns processed but like what can you do for us for that 15 20 25% of product that can't get refurbished back to new condition what else can we do with it and so there's there's really strong demand from the operations community for solutions which we'll talk about in the next episode so tune in solutions that that allow for that product to find a really profitable uh, outcome as opposed to just being liquidated or recycled
1: yeah this has been i this is close to one of my favorite episodes because all of a sudden i'm like i'm on the, these different websites like oh oh i can take a look at this and i just went out to the carhartt website just to see what else i could get yeah so been great <laughs> good you've been listening to another episode of the circular innovation podcast i've been joined by my co-host jess and nate And this is Richard, as we have been talking about the success and the momentum that we're seeing in the marketplace as more and more brands are finding ways to take products that are loved, appreciated, and maybe lightly used and getting them back into the economy so that we uh, prevent the landfills from filling up and we find ways to uh, keep the life going of these products. So hopefully you found something interesting and inspiring from listening to this episode. I always do. I want to say thanks for listening. Take care. Thanks for tuning in
0: to the Circular Innovation Podcast. Join us again as we continue to explore and unravel the complexities of circular innovation.